the epistle of John, the first epistle of John, to chapter 5 and verses 4 and 5. So it's 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? The early followers of Jesus were called by many names. They called themselves names. And those outside their little circle gave them names. Had you and I been there at the first, we probably would have called them sufferers or even survivors. And as the perception of these people, of what they were and what they were about, evolved, the names evolved. And it all began at Antioch when they were first called Christians. It means those who are intoxicated with Christ. As a matter of fact, Ernest Campbell said, these were intoxicated men and women. And they call themselves disciples, believers and brothers, saints of God, followers of the way. And the most widely used of all term they spoke of each other and understood each other as being in Christ. So at Antioch, they were called Christians. And toward the end, as this evolution developed, toward the end of that first century, John wrote in his epistle that they were overcomers. Not just survivors, but overcomers. And um, that term was confirmed in other places in Scripture. In the Revelation, it says that they overcame Him by the word of their testimony and the blood of the Lamb. And Paul wrote to the Romans and said, In all these things we are overwhelmingly triumphant. And to the Corinthians he wrote, Give thanks to God who always gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So John was saying what best characterizes a Christian is that he is an overcomer. Now, would that be what they would say about you or what you could say about yourself? I suppose that the question is, what enables a person to wear such a title as that? And what are the characteristics of a person about whom it is said that he is an overcomer? Well, an overcomer is a person who concedes the problem he understands that there is, that, that the name itself implies that there is something that stands in his way. There is a barrier, an obstacle with which he's confronted. There is a problem of, over which he must overcome. 
For an overcomer is not a person who just slides through life without any obstacle or opposition. He understands that every day brings a new problem. And every day brings a new obstacle to overcome. And every day there is a new barrier and a new opponent to criticize him. But he doesn't wring his hands in despair. He just goes out and does something about it. For whether or not you're an overcomer has nothing to do with the circumstances around you. It has everything to do with the commitment inside of you. I need to say that again. Whether or not you are an overcomer in the year ahead of you has nothing to do with the circumstances around you. It has everything to do with the commitment inside of you. For everybody has circumstances, negative problems and barriers. As a matter of fact, this that we call human greatness is never achieved apart from obstacles and opposition. There is an adage that goes around in nautical circles, I'm told, that a, that a sailor never distinguishes himself on a smooth sea. I suppose that's why James said, count it all joy when trials come, because in the midst of those trials, you will distinguish yourself. And that's why Peter wrote, don't be surprised that for a while you're enduring fiery trials and rejoice in the midst of them because in these trials your faith will be distinguished and God will receive the glory. Well, what is this that we have to overcome? What is the thing the overcomer has to overcome? Well, John names it for us, and he uses the word three times. It's the word world. Overcomes the world, so that the barrier is the world. Now, that word means a world system, a philosophy of life that is in opposition to God. It is that which stands against God, a, 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 a philosophy and, that's alienated from God, a world system that has the devil as its ruler, fallen angels and demons as its subject, and every human being outside of Christ as its subjects, that's a pretty big barrier to overcome. The world is Satan and his plan, sin and its distress, sensuality and its pleasure. It's that which is in opposition to God. That's a pretty big barrier to overcome. And what does the world do? The world seeks to destroy our witness and dilute our interest in the Word and destroy our values. It seeks to tempt us to, to draw away from God and to forget who we are and whose we are and live beneath our privilege. That's the barrier that we face. A neighbor went out to a Little League baseball game and he walked up to the dugout to where his neighbor's boy was playing. He'd come to see him play. And he spoke to the neighbor's boy and he said, Well, how are you doing? What's the score? And the little boy said, Well, they're ahead, 18 to nothing. He said, wow, I bet you're pretty discouraged. 
He said, why should we be? We haven't come to bat yet. Now, the, the, the overcomer is a person who understands that he's surrounded with circumstances. And he feels like an island in the midst of a polluted stream and its, wash, and its waters wash against his shores. But he, don't, he, he doesn't get discouraged and he's not distressed. In the same spirit he understands he's an overcomer. He concedes the problem. He confirms the promise. Now John says it, and he says it again for emphasis, you can overcome, confirm that promise. I suppose that the biggest need this morning is not to make new promises to God. We call resolutions or whatever we call them. The biggest need is to confirm the promise He's made to you. And this is the promise you can overcome. You can be victorious. You don't have to be defeated by Satan. You don't have to be disgraced by sin. You don't have to be destroyed by tragedy. You can overcome. That's His promise to you. And it's not just the word of a, you know, uh, the uh, halftime pep talk of a, of a defeated coach to a bunch of losers. When I was a freshman in high school, I started both ways for the mighty Monday moguls. You could tell what, team, what uh, kind of players we had, 150-pound weakling, played every down on offense and defense. When I, that, that season, we had a perfect record, 10 losses. And, and I remember our coach would get us in there before the game and he'd give us this pep talk, always the same. It was, they put on their pants, you've heard that one, haven't you? The same way you do. He said, you can win this game, it's there for the taking. And we'd look at each other, you know, and we'd say, if we're so good, why are we getting drilled, you know, every game? And one Friday night, we were playing the Albany Lions, the number one team in the state. They played for the state championship the other day, by the way. And their backfield consisted of the four members of the state championship 440-yard relay team the, the spring before. They were awesome. And they got off the bus just kind of sneering and snarling. And we were in our locker room getting this pep talk and they were across the gymnasium in the locker room growling and snarling and roaring. And the coach said, we can win this game. You can, you can beat those guys. And all of a sudden it kind of dawned on me what he was doing. He was trying to convince himself not to go home. You know, I, I, I know he wanted to leave. And he was just kind of psyching himself up to hang in there, you know. That's not what this is about. This is not the word of a defeated coach to a bunch of losers. This is the word of the God who's never lost a battle to a bunch of overcomers. You can overcome. And there's some of you who need to refocus on that promise 
because you're going through a deep and dark valley and you need to understand, you need to hear that again. I want you to know that this God of ours has not been defeated in the past and He will not be defeated in the future. Joseph was in prison. You ever felt like you were bound by something? Tennyson was right, stone walls do not a prison make, nor iron bars a cage. Joseph was in prison and God released him. The Hebrews were in slavery and God delivered them. David was overwhelmed by his sin. Do you feel guilty? So great was his guilt that he said, my bones are breaking and God forgave him. Daniel was in a lion's den and God preserved him. Jonah was in the belly of a whale and God retrieved him. And Jesus was in a tomb and God, God raised him. For the promise of God is that he is not going to lose and he promises that that we are overcomers. A young man was very athletic and he suffered a terrible accident. He, was a, he became confined to a wheelchair, paraplegic. After those terrible days of depression and despondency, he asked a friend, will I ever be worth anything anymore? Will I ever be of value? And his friend gave, gave a wonderful response. He said, as a pole vaulter, no. As a man, yes. For whatever the circumstance, John says, in essence, whatever the circumstance, you can overcome. An overcomer, is a person who carries out the principle. He concedes the problem, he confirms the promise, he carries out the principle. Now what is this principle that enables us to overcome? John says, even our faith. So it is the life of faith that enables, enables us to overcome. Now there are two kinds of faith. There is general faith that everybody exercises every day. You're exercising, we've mentioned that, we've said this before, sitting in that pew this morning, you're exercising faith. Every time you pick up a newspaper, every time you take a prescription to the pharmacist, every time you see the doctor, you're exercising faith. That's general faith. That's not the faith enables, that enables overcoming. He said, who is this person who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. In other words, this is Christian faith. And it is the faith that rests upon the provision that's in Christ. I came down here to the church uh, Christmas Eve morning to do a little work and escape some work, by the way, you know. <laughs> And I was in my office studying, you know, working on this sermon, and my phone rang. And I answered the phone, 
And it was a man from out of town. He called. I said, oh, I'm so glad I got somebody at the church. He said, is, is one of the ministers there? I said, well, you're talking to him. You're talking to the minister. And he said, well, I, need, I just needed to talk to somebody. He said, I'm trying to get back to God. I said, oh, you're trying to get back to God. He said, yes. He said, I, I, I've been away from God. I'm just trying to get back. And I said, well, I'm assuming then that you've been saved if you're trying to, quote, get back to God. I said, tell me about when you were saved. He said, well, I was saved when I was a young man. And he said, for 17 years I've been an alcoholic. And he said, for something that's happened, he said, I'm not, you know, free to talk about it, but he said, something has been going on in my life lately that's brought me to the place where I need to get back to God. He said, can you help me get back to God? I said, well, tell me how you got to God the first, in the first place. He said, well, I trusted in Jesus Christ and I placed my faith in Him. I said, well, that's how you get back to Him. As many as received Christ, to them He gave the power to become the sons of God. But over in the book of Colossians it says, As you have received Christ, so walk in Him. Just the way you were saved, that's the way you live out your life. How do you overcome the same way you were saved? By just living in the faith of Jesus and how He's released in your life. And how He releases His power through you. Oh, He said, that makes so much sense. Now, what does it mean to live in the faith of Jesus as the Son of God? Well, it means, first of all, that that opens up us to an awareness of the presence of God in our life. I want you to hear that. Trusting in Jesus opens our life up to His presence. And, and, and Paul wrote to the Philippians and he said, The Lord is near, therefore don't be anxious about anything. His presence dispels fear. Um, His presence takes away fear. David Livingston went into Africa now, I know that he was not a missionary as we know missionaries. Uh, in fact, he was an explorer, but he, he, he wanted to take the gospel where he went in his exploration. And he said one time, he said, I've seen the smoke rise from a thousand villages that know not God. So he did have a burden for the lost people of Africa. And he was, he was invited back to London to receive a, an award uh, as an explorer. And, and somebody asked him what was the secret of his, of his ability to, to, to do that. And he said, he, he said, well, that's easy. And he opened up his Bible. It was a well-worn Bible. In fact, when he died, his face was lying in the Bible. His face was down in the Bible where he had been reading. And he opened up the Bible to that verse of Scripture that you and I should claim, Lo, I'm with you all the way to the end of the age, and said, that's the secret. And so a mother said to little Johnny, Johnny, I want you to go down to the pantry and get some tomato soup. 
And it was a long way to the pantry and Johnny was afraid and so she repeated, Johnny, I want you to go down to the pantry and get some tomato soup. And she sensed he was afraid. So she said, well, Johnny, the Lord's there. So Johnny went down to the pantry, cracked it just a little bit and said, Lord, if you're in there, would you hand me a can of tomato soup? I know that sometimes it seems like he's just not in it. He was a professional thief and his name brought terror to the wild west. He came roaring out of the Sierra Nevadas and for 13 years he terrorized the frontiersmen and robbed the Wells Fargo stage line. He was accredited with having robbed the stage line 29 times without ever firing a shot. He wore a hooded mask, a hood over his face. He was called Black Bart. And nobody ever saw his face because of the hood, and no sheriff was ever able to, to track him. His weapon was his reputation, and his ammunition was intimidation. And so he never fired a shot all the time. He was terrorizing the frontier, Black Bart. Um, some of you are, root, are riddled with fear this morning. Some people who are listening to me over television can't stand to face tomorrow because you're riddled with fear. How do you overcome it? Well, power will not overcome fear. If that were true, Stalin would have never been afraid. This man had seven bedrooms. He slept, he alternated them, sleeping in them, so nobody would know where he was sleeping. He kept them locked as safe as a safe. He had five chauffeur-driven limousines with curtains drawn so he couldn't tell in which car he was riding. And he had a person hired to do only one thing, to take care of and protect his tea bags. Possessions won't overcome fear. Or Howard Hughes would have never been a fearful man. You know his story. His fear of germs drove him to live like a cadaverous hermit with belly-length beard and corkscrew fingernails and toenails, and he died alone in Mexico, a frightened man. Popularity will not dispel fear, or John Lennon would have never been fearful. He never went to sleep at night without the lights on, and he wouldn't touch anything because he felt it was filthy. What overcomes fear? His presence. And so John says, you can't overcome in the presence of God. And what does trusting in Jesus do? It opens us up to His plan. I'm here to tell you this morning, that a life with Jesus Christ is the greatest life there is, and it just gets better. And so before I hung up with this guy on the telephone, I said, friend, did you know that, that you don't have to live in, in, in despair and 
loneliness. He said, that's what I want. He said, I just would like a life of peace and joy before I die. He told me about one time he, he decided in despair he would kill himself. So he ran his car over a cliff and in the explosion he was thrown free from the car. It, 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 they say it was a miracle he lived. He said, I can't remember a day when I felt joy and peace. I want you to know that life with Jesus Christ is the life of the greatest joy. A joy that's only begun, that just gets better. Christians are called a lot of things to be called an overcomer is the greatest of all. Concede the problem. Confirm the promise. And carry out the principle of trust. In a moment, we're going to have an invitation hymn. Do I speak to someone this morning who has never trusted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior? And am I speaking to someone today who's living outside joy, peace, completeness, victory? You can know Jesus Christ if you place your faith in Him. And you can know victory if you continue to keep on trusting Him. Let's pray together. Our Father, let this moment of be the moment that each one of us would make that decision to place his or her faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask you now to come near us, draw us to you. For I pray in Jesus' name. In a spirit of prayer now, I'm going to invite you this morning, those of you who are, all, who are outside of Christ, those of you who need to rededicate your life to Him, those of you who need to place your life in this church, to get up out of your seat and come while we stand to sing.